Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? Dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you give me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you've got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the Internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts... My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? 
Chris, I'm well. How are you during... I'm doing okay. This, the Christmas season. I'm a half step behind, Matt, because I've Uh been a little sick lately. Everybody, I probably still sound maybe 15% sexier than I normally do. Uh, Just because, you know, it's down here now. It's down here. Do do you want me to cut your hair? Snip, snip, snip. (laughs) (laughs) That's where the money's at, buddy. That's what we should have been doing all along. Cutting hair? (laughs) No, no. no. (laughs) ASMR. Yeah, ASMR. I I watch a lot of uh, cooking videos that I only realized way later were ASMR videos. How okay? How are those presented? Is it like okay, we're gonna crack this egg? No, no talking, because the guy is Japanese. Okay, so all the communication is text on the screen. You never see his face. You only see his hands. Uh huh. Doing. The cooking and the food, like every, anything he does with the food, like mixing it up or smashing it or rolling it around, whatever he's making, and it, everything he makes is chocolate of some kind. And whatever he makes is like heavily miked. So you hear all the making food sounds. And it dawned on me, like, by the time I watched, like, the 20th of these videos that they're ASMR videos. I say this is someone for whom uh, ASMR stuff tends to has, have the opposite effect. Yeah. As, as most people get, I get uh, severe fight or flight uh, whenever uh, people start whispering about cutting my hair. <laughs> That's wild, Matt. That's wild. You got bamboozled. You got tricked. I did. I just wanted to see, to see him make like a cool tart and, then only later did I realize, oh, these sounds are like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's not what we're doing here. We're not here to put you at ease, listener. No, we're, we're not talking about the Chocolate Cacao YouTube channel. We're here to talk about Mark Grunwald, because this is episode 616 of War Rocket Ajax. And what could be more appropriate... Then six issues of Groonies. The the keeper of continuity himself, Mark Grunewald, keeper of the flame, is going to be uh, our subject today. As we go through some pretty wild issues of Captain America. They are indeed wild. We're going to start with the epilogue of Cap Wolf, and then get wilder from there, if you can believe it. Yeah. It's going to be fun. But Chris, before we get to that, before we dig into the Groonies here on episode 616, we do have some business to take care of. And that first bit of business, as it always is, is thanking our newest supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. And these are the people who have gone all the way down uh, to 616 Gimmick Street. Uh, And you know what's down there, of course. The comic book shop. It's the comic book shop. 616 gimmick gimmick is what it's called. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a good shop. Don't look for them online. No no online presence. They do not do mail order. The pandemic was pretty hard for them, though, so I always like to drop in and, and, and spend some money. But, you know, Gimmick Street, thriving. D- I had enough about bailing out Wall Street. How about bailing out Gimmick Street? That's right. That's right. The, the common man on Gimmick Street. Yeah. Uh, while, while you're 
online, though. Don't look for a 616 gimmick, uh, the comic book store. But do look for patreon.com slash warrocketajax, uh, which is where you can go if you want to support the show for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, you get all kinds of stuff from there. But most importantly, you help me and Matt pay those gimmicks that you sent in the mail called Bills. That's right, Chris. And it's been a few weeks since we have done this, so we've got quite a few names to read on the show this week. Love to hear that. Eric Kibler. Thank you, Eric. John Wilson. That's your name. My last name? Yes. I don't know if that's HBO's John Wilson, but if it is, thanks, John. If it's not, thanks, John. Scott Medlock. Thank you, Scott. Tony Brandle. Thank you, Tony. Oh, it's Tony Brandle, yeah. Our our buddy. Our our friend at the Renaissance Fairs. Yeah. Our inside man. <laughs> uh go check out Tony's art. Uh it's very good. Yeah. I still have uh the the piece I got from him uh on my desk here. Yeah. Barely. <laughs> Thank you, Barely. Matt Whitman. That's also your name. That's almost my exact name. Yeah, that's wild. Ryan Clark. Uh thank you, Ryan. Nathaniel Winkleman. Thank you, Nathaniel. And Ben Atkins. Thank you, Ben. If you would like to be like any of those folks whose names I just read out, which was quite a collection of names, you can also head over to patreon.com slash Ajax and kick in as little as $1 per month to make sure that we do this show nearly weekly. We, we almost do this every week. I couldn't – I had a tough time talking last week, yes. which is unfortunately is, a, my only necessary function on this show. We take some holidays off, and sometimes we get sick or go on vacation, and we got to 616 episodes. So it's almost every week. We do Every Story Ever specials every month. We do Comics Catch-Up every month. We've got some Christmas stories coming for you in December. We do Movie Fighters and Snack Situation. All of that stuff all of those shows are made possible by your support on patreon and as a patron you get every single one of those shows completely ad free you will never hear an ad on the patreon feeds for all of those shows and uh you can also get other cool stuff like bonus audio uh bonus writing that chris and i do video game reviews and other things that we write that is patreon exclusive you can get line stepping privileges for every story ever and whatever other after-interview segment we're doing in 2023. In 2022, it was Battle of the Decades. We'll probably do one more Battle of the Decades or two before the end of the year. You can also get physical rewards. I still need to send out a t-shirt or two before the end of the year, so uh, I will try my best to get that done. And, uh, And there's... Other cool stuff over there on the Patreon as well, so if any of that sounds like it would interest you, uh, go help us out on Patreon if you can. If you are unable to help us out on Patreon, because look, Christmas is coming, the goose is getting the fat, goose is getting fat. please put a penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got a penny, a hay penny will do. And if you haven't got a hay penny, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Matt, that was choice. That was choice. Good or, job. <laughs> or Spotify. Or wherever else you get your podcasts, five stars would really help us out. Uh, that would be great. Or you could just spread the word about the show. Hey, you boy, 
what day is it? It's the day to tell everybody you know about more Rocket Ajax. Chris, it's time for Comforts and Joys. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, let's bring in your comfort here as we head toward Christmas here in the Advent season. It it is very appropriate uh, that that we are doing Comforts and Joys right now, Matt, because I have been craving comfort. Uh, if, If people listen to every story ever, which statistically they did, they know that I got sick on Thanksgiving. Uh, and then uh, I'm still like coughing a little bit. So I have been it. I I was in that like like just just too sick to pay attention to anything. I was too sick to play Pokemon. You know, just I couldn't focus on it. Yeah, that's uh, that's a shame. So I will say this. I will I will say this. Um, that is the perfect state to be in to watch those Hobbit movies. <laughs> if you if you feel bad and you can't really pay attention to anything, but you want to have something on, but you don't want to have something on that like you would require you to follow a cogent narrative, put on them Hobbit movies. They'll get you through it. Uh, and since then, like watching those movies, which are not good, they did make me want to do something very comfortable, which is playing uh, Middle Earth Shadows of Mordor again. So that's pretty much what I've been doing with my time. That is comfort. I d- There's something very comforting about going back to a video game that you have played multiple times. Yeah, especially one that is very rewarding in the way that Shadows of Mordor is rewarding, in that like everything looks co- good and like feels good to do, and there's... Kind of like a, you know, there's a nice gameplay loop of go here, fight a bunch of orcs, recruit this orc, go find a collectible, get rewarded for it. She loves a sexy lady. Uh, it's it's a nice, chill game that I like a lot. Uh, so that is what I have been taking a lot of comfort in, is the story of uh, uh, Talion and Celebrimbor. Or I guess Celebrimbor, as they say on on the Amazon show. Uh, somebody let me know. Do elves have hard or soft seas? What are your other comfort games? Because I can tell you mine. There have been times of great stress in my life where I have played uh, Stardew Valley. Yeah. Okay. Uh, several times. Stardew Valley, very comforting game. Um, when I was a kid, it was Mario 3. When I, every time I would be... like, That's probably why I want to play video games when I'm sick now, is because when I was a kid and I would stay at home from school, I would just play Mario 3 start to finish. Pokemon is usually pretty comforting because it's not... Like I, I've played it enough where it's like almost automatic. Uh, but yeah, definitely a, a a Shadows of Mordor is is a very comfortable game to play. What are yours? Punch Out. You you that you love Punch Out. I do the original NES Punch Out. I can go for years with not playing it, not playing it, and then I pick it back up, and my level of skill is exactly the same. Because I developed such a muscle memory for it when I was five years old. It's just, I just do it. You know? This is actually a thing that that I've been unclear on, because I've never watched you play Punch-Out. Like, my level of skill is also the exact same, which is like, I can maybe get to Piston Honda. (laughs) Second Uh, Piston Honda or first Piston Honda? Just the first Piston Honda, buddy. Okay. Uh, Like, are are you good at it? I'm good up until probably Mr. Sandman. Okay. And then 
whether I beat Mr. Sandman or not is depends. And then I can never beat Mike Tyson or Mr. Dream, depending on which version of the game I'm playing. Yeah. Which is a, which is one of the ultimate, this game is cheating fights. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's one super Metroid. I just played through super Metroid all the way and might speed run it kind of, or might try to do a hundred percent run or whatever it might be. I am the same way with Metal Gear Solid. Sometimes I'll just speed run that. When I was in high school, I tried to play Metal Gear Solid during long things to see if I could beat it before the long thing was over. Like a shift at work at KB Toys. <laughs> or uh, recently, Bloodborne. I'll just do start a new build in Bloodborne and start it back and play it. Mm-hmm. Those Those are my comfort games. But speaking of games and comfort... Chris, I I don't want to make this my joy because I don't know if I want to recommend it completely because it is a freemium iOS game. But I downloaded Marvel Snap. I can play one game on my phone. I can kind of do one thing on my phone. I haven't posted on Instagram in like six months. (laughs) Uh, But the one thing that I can do is Pokemon Go. Yeah, That That is what I do with my phone. And I cannot play a second one because the second I play a second one, that's my day. There was a time prior to being to, to living with the love of my life where I would just wake up in the morning and it would just cycle through Sailor Moon Drops, Marvel Puzzle Quest, uh, and Pokemon Shuffle. Yeah, it, it they can become habit forming for sure. Yeah. Marvel Snap is pretty good about giving you a set number of things to try to do in a day. Mm -hmm. And once you accomplish those things, once you like hit those milestones, it's not asking you to do any more. So it kind of goes the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of encourages you to stop because you're not earning any more rewards if you keep playing. But what I really love about Marvel snap. So do you know anything about the game at all, Chris? Uh, AC plays it, but we haven't really talked about it. So I don't really know anything about it the game it reminds me most of is gwent from the witcher 3 well i know you love gwent yeah it's very similar to gwent but it is different in some key ways it it doesn't play exactly the same as gwent but essentially what does make it similar to gwent is you have a deck of cards and you can choose what cards you own to put in your deck And each card does a different thing. They have different skills and abilities to help you win. And they also have different power levels. So a game has six turns. Every turn you get a certain amount of energy, and playing a card expends energy. Some cards are one energy cards. Some cards are two energy cards, all the way up to six energy cards that you can only play on the last turn. There are also, on the board when you play, three different places where you can play cards, and each of those spots also has different effects. To win the game, you have to have the highest score in two of the locations, two of the three locations. There's more to the game than that, but that's a quick rundown of 
what different cards do. Like, okay, for example, the Hulk card is just a straight power card. It's a six energy card that has 12 power, and it doesn't have any other effects. You can play the Ironheart card, which has zero power, but raises the power of other cards you have already played. So that's kind of like the strategy involved in the game. And what I really like about it at this point is nobody else who's playing knows what the fuck they're doing. So it's really easy to win. (laughs) Okay. Like having played Gwent a lot, I I know exactly kind of how this thing works. And I mean, some other players know what they're doing. Like I've lost games on the app, but I would probably say I've won like 80% of my, the games that I played and I should have lost quite a few of those if the other person playing was playing smart at all so you are playing against other people yes it is it is an online game but there's no like interaction other than just playing against each other it's not right you're not uh there's no like chat or anything like that which is i don't want to chat never implement chat never they're they're putting like a like a a kind of sort of chat function to pokemon go and i'm like I, di- I didn't ask for this. Yeah, don't do that. Never do that. But anyway, I've been comforted by playing Marvel Snap. It is a, it's a very good thing to do just like between things. Because a game of Marvel Snap lasts maximum five minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's good. I, so far, I'm enjoying it. I will probably get tired of it. But for now, I, I like it a bunch. Time for joys, Chris. What's bringing you joy? Uh, Matt, I, I mentioned it already, but I've yet to really talk about it on the show. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Pokemon, uh, in my case, Pokemon Violet, uh, which is the the future-focused one, as opposed to Scarlet is, is, is past-themed. And I want to start this by saying, the game has some problems. <laughs> Even if you are not a Pokemon game person you have likely heard about its problems. There are performance issues and uh, graphical issues with the game. It uh, crashes. It crashes more than any Pokemon game I've ever played, which uh, means it's crashed like three times while I've been playing it. Those things happen. Those things exist. There are a couple of things that I am a little disappointed in as far as like uh, you are the character is going to a school uh, in this game, so you can't really customize your character in the same way that you could customize your character in Sword and Shield, because you are wearing a school uniform, and you can kind of only wear variations on that uniform. Uh, or, or you can change your hat or socks or bag, and that's a little bit disappointing. There are some some problems with it. The world is not... Uh, you know, I was listening to uh, the Besties podcast... And uh, Griffin McElroy was talking about how uh, the cities feel weirdly lifeless, uh, which is true. Like, even though there are, you know, people walking around them, they don't feel as lively and full of, of interesting things as other uh, c- cities in Pokemon have felt. And also, they did not bother, they made an open world game that did not bother to scale uh, anything. So I went to the last gym, which, from what I can tell, should have been the second gym. 
uh, and just laid waste to everyone. For me, that's not a problem. So there is the, the, the game has some problems. Here's the thing. I still love it. And it's still the new Pokemon game. And honestly, a lot of it, like there's a lot of things where I'm like, this is my favorite version of this. I don't think it's my favorite Pokemon game. That for me is still uh, black, which I think I would love to see them revisit the Unova region uh, at some point. But like, there's really cool stuff in that game. I really like a lot of the new Pokemon. I think it's the, the, the new Pokemon are my favorite crew of new Pokemon since Black, which was on the DS. So it was a while ago. Like, I was working at the comic book store playing Pokemon Black. But, like, so many really, really good designs. So many good dogs. I actually really do like, despite the difficulties they have had in translating it to the open world structure, I really like the storylines. Like, the three storylines, like, in every Pokemon game, you do three things, right? Like, you you fight the gyms, you uh, go deal with legendary Pokemon, and you deal with team whatever, right? So those are the three storylines. It's the same as in every Pokemon game, but you can just kind of decide what order to do which thing in. I actually really love the storylines. I really love the key NPCs. Some of the designs are really good. There's a little dog made of cinnamon rolls, Matt. <laughs> a little dog made of cinnamon rolls, bud. Uh, and I love that guy. And uh, just some really, really good uh, Pokemon. They've also added some evolutions for old uh, Pokemon. Uh, Primeape now has a third form. Uh, so it's Menke, Primate, and Annihilate. And Annihilate rules. Uh, and, you know, again, it's a Pokemon game. And so if you want to play a game with new Pokemon in it, that's the one you got to play. I do wish it was a little bit better in some ways. But also, I really have enjoyed it and had a really good time with it. Um, I did take a break because uh, I got kind of caught up in the the orc stabbing loop of of uh, Middle Earth, Shadows of Mordor, Mordor, as they like to say uh, on that uh, Amazon show, on that bookstore website show. But yeah, like it, it is. I have drawn pictures uh, that maybe we'll put those up on Patreon. Maybe uh, I'll, I'll put up my. Uh, drawing of my uh, my player character uh, having hard eyes towards uh, Nimona, who is maybe the most soccer lesbian energy that any video game character has ever had. I think that would be a great Patreon bonus. Yeah. We should absolutely post that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, again, it's... Th- th- if you wanted this game, if you were, you already have it or you're getting it for Christmas and you are too young to be listening to the show, I like it and I feel like I am going to wind up being a Pokemon Violet apologist. Uh, Matt, what is bringing you joy in this the holiday season? My joy for this week is a television show that you can watch on the streaming service A Series of Tubes. Mm-hmm. To be... Or not to be? Cathode ray tube. Cathode ray tube be? Uh, it's called Travel Man. 
It is a Channel 4 travel question mark series. I mean, it is a travel series in which uh, comedian uh, Richard Iowati, who you might remember from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and the IT crowd and a bunch of other stuff, a bunch of panel shows, goes to another city, usually in mainland Europe, but occasionally further away. He's come to the U.S. a couple of times in New York and Miami, but he only spends 48 hours in any place where he goes. And he has a celebrity cast come along with him. A lot of them are other British comedians that he kind of like pals around and jokes around with, but occasionally they're American movie stars and he acts completely different about around the American movie stars. And it's very funny because he's like trying to be more, I don't know, respectful and keep more of a distance and he probably doesn't know them as well mm-hmm. so when john ham and paul rudd go with paul rudd goes with him to helsinki and john ham goes with him to hong kong and he's like so much nicer to them than he is to the british comedians that are on the show it's very funny but uh what i really like about the show is that you get a pretty good sense of what a city has to offer. Like they, they don't always go to like the biggest tourist attractions, but they go to a lot of different places and they usually find some kind of way to tour the city quickly, either on some kind of public transit or they'll ride around in a little go-kart or they'll go on a bicycle tour or something like that. And uh, one of the best things about the show is They'll often like go try food somewhere or try like some local delicacy. And if Richard Iowati doesn't like it, he just says he doesn't like it. <laughs> so in the episode where they go to, um, I think it's the one where they go to Norway, uh, to Oslo, um, there's this like fermented shark dish that even the waitress in the restaurant says she doesn't like. <laughs> But they order it anyway, and they also get this, like, fermented drink. I don't don't even know what the drink is that they got. But Richard Iowati's reaction to both of those things is just, both of these things are awful. And it's amazingly funny (laughs) that he went on this trip, he tried these local foods, and he hated them. Uh, He often likes the food. Sometimes they'll have a sort of inscrutable reaction to things. Like uh, in the episode, it's the episode where he has on his co-star from uh, the IT crowd, Chris O'Dowd. They go to Vienna and they try uh, Sturm wine, which is like only partially fermented wine. I, I still don't know if they liked it or not. Their reactions are just to kind of joke around about it, and they don't ever actually say whether they liked it or not. But uh, I don't know, just the way the show is presented and the way that Richard Iowati is as the host uh, makes it a really, really enjoyable travel show. Like, it has become a real comfort watch for Marlene and me. Like, on Thanksgiving Day, because... Usually what we do on Thanksgiving is cook and just watch stuff on TV while we cook all day. 
and we finished the season of Love is Blind on Netflix, and then we started watching Travel Man, and we watched like 10 episodes of it uh, through the evening, and it was just very nice and very enjoyable. So uh, I would encourage you to check it out, Travel Man, which is available on Tubi. Everything but Series 3, I don't know why Series 3 isn't on there, (laughs) but everything else is on there. Is the theme song Party Man? from from the Batman 89 soundtrack but it goes Travel Man instead. I'm sure if they had the money to license it yeah. uh, they would have, yeah. There's often discussion of budgetary restrictions on the show. <laughs> Fun. Alright, those are our comforts and joys, Chris, which means it's time for us to talk about some comics. What do you say? Let's do it. I would say that the winner of the Texter's Choice Award for this week is Marvel Comics Dark Web Number One. Mm-hmm. A book I did not know was happening until I saw it. Yeah, no, I didn't know what it was when you texted me about it. Right. Remember when Identity Crisis was coming out, and uh-huh. then suddenly Marvel had Identity Disc? I do remember that, yes. Dark Web started coming out like six months after Dark Crisis started. <laughs> yeah, but Do it's you like... Think that there that is a coincidence? I, yes. Yes. Because here's the thing. Dark Web is a thing. It is a thing. Identity disc is nothing. It's, yeah, it's t- definitely nothing. Yeah. Between Dark Web and Dark Crisis, one of those is a thing. Anyway... This is a comic book in which Madeline Pryor is in limbo, which she is in charge of now, working with Ben Riley, Spider-Man's clone, and Eddie Brock Venom to do another Inferno. Yeah, the premise of this comic, as outlined on like the the inside front cover is it's the two most screwed over clones in the Marvel universe, Madeline Pryor and Ben Riley. Ben is so mad in this comic. Yeah. Yeah, bud. Because all his memories of being Peter Parker are gone and some of his own memories are gone. So he wants to get revenge on Peter, but he also wants to go fuck up Norman Osborn and so yeah. he goes to Norman Osborn's house <laughs> and beats the shit out of Norman Osborn. Yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't read he doesn't read uh, Amazing Spider-Man, so he doesn't know Norman Osborn's a good guy now. Yeah. He doesn't know that he's a gold gold goblin now. Yeah, but he does know. That's the secret. That's the yeah. twist. Uh yeah. It is look, I'm kind of surprised that it's been this long. A thing that we've said about Zeb Wells the thing is that we've read a lot of comic books, and he's giving us Spider-Man stuff that I feel like I haven't seen before that feels new. And I gotta say, I don't know that that Madeline Pryor and Ben Riley have ever struck up a conversation about how much it sucks to be a clone of a more popular character before. And and we're getting that, and that's a pretty fun premise. It is, it is. That's that's nearly Grunewaldian, honestly. 
And but at the same time, it's very Spider-Man, right? Very like Spider-Man. A huge, yeah. a huge part of this issue is Peter and Mary Jane and J. Jonah Jameson and Robbie Robertson and like the entire friend group celebrating what would have been Harry Osborne's birthday. Yeah. And so Norman comes by and pays for everybody's coffee at the coffee bean and tries to like sneak away. Yeah. And not the daily grind. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. And Peter goes outside and talks to him and says like, yeah, I, 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 my clone died in my arms. Uh, so, you know, it's very Spider-Man because Peter remembers somebody who died <laughs> right in front of him. The most, the most Peter Parker thing you can uh, do is have somebody die in your arms. Yeah. Also, we have to note this. A carriage in Central Park eats people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, you, you said it, but uh, we might have glossed over it a little bit. They're doing an Inferno. And Inferno is happening. Inferno was mentioned by name. Yeah, there's a great line where Spider-Man's like, man, I wish this was something I had not seen before. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line yeah and also the art in this book is by adam kubert but you would know it i mean in, in places you would but it is a very different style for him in many ways yeah yeah it's it's good though i like it yeah i like it too i i like the book so far it is wild uh, yeah, definitely it, looking forward to seeing uh, where the dark web story goes from here. Uh, it's going to run through uh, the Spider-Man and, I believe, X-Men family of titles, uh, plus a Norman Osborn miniseries, which, sure, why not? Gold Goblin, it's called. Gold Goblin. Why would you change the green but not the goblin? <laughs> Goblin's kind of the bad part. That's true. But he likes gold. He loves only gold, man. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, there's going to be a Mary Jane and Black Cat tie-in as well. I think it's maybe a two-part miniseries, or maybe the series will continue. I don't know, but uh, I hope... Uh, Jed McKay. Jed McKay joint, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about Batman number 130 uh, by Chip Zdarsky and Jorge Jimenez. Uh-huh. Where Batman does re-entry. Yeah, the book where uh, Batman, the the character that people like because he doesn't have superpowers, falls out of space. He's not in a spaceship. No. He's not in anything but his Batman costume. He falls from space to Earth on fire, on re-entry, and lands. <laughs> yeah. I had to read that part twice. He has like a little little mask for oxygen. Yeah. Which I like because he's like, well, I've got this tank of oxygen, and also I'm Batman, so this can probably last me like 12 hours. <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. <laughs> uh, and he's got like blown up pieces of a spaceship. And that's all he needs. Yep. To fall out of space. And later on in the book, he shows up at, like, the Fortress of Solitude, because he aims. That's the funniest part, honestly, is that he aims. 
and he lands also, where he wants to land on Earth. Yes. He also at one point takes his trunks off and wraps them around his face. So his face doesn't get burned. Yeah. All you motherfuckers out there were like, why does he wear the trunks? Why does he wear the trunks? I'll tell you why he wears the trunks. So that he can do that shit. Yeah, that's why. Because they look good on his costume. Uh, yeah, but wild wild times in Batman I love it that's it is probably the wildest thing that happens in this issue but other wild things happen that are nearly as wild yeah there is more extremely wild stuff and I also like the there's a little bit in here where Batman talks about the Robins yeah and he's like yeah you know Dick would always improvise, and and Jason hated practicing, like all the Robin stuff. Tim loves it. Tim loves practicing. Tim loves doing what we're supposed to do. And I'm like, that's great. That's that's truly delightful. I also love Batman's plan to deal with failsafe, which is to jam a thumb drive into it, Something I also put in a comic, Sometimes. and and essentially give it a software update that would give it compassion. Yes, which is great. Boy, there's a twist to that. There is a twist to that, uh, and then there's also like a great, the great wrap up of the backstory about the Batman of Zeranar and where the yeah. Batman of Zeranar comes from. And let me tell you. My favorite new addition to the Batman mythos of 2022 is that Batman started putting an ovular on that bat because he hallucinated the Batman of Zeranar. Yeah, that shit's pretty good. Yeah, I need to go back and look and see if that's the first place that the that an ovular on the bat appeared. Because I think the timeline lines up more or less, but I don't know if that's quite right. But man, delightful. Yeah, really good. Uh, one last book I want to talk about is the final issue of Do a Powerbomb, in which, as promised, uh, the tag team of... Sun and Steel, as they're finally called in this issue. And uh, they're given matching gear, which is fantastic. Uh, They wrestle God. And Chris, I don't want to give anything away for you because I don't think you've read this issue. I haven't read it yet, but I I did. I had kind of forgotten that they were going to wrestle God Uh until you just reminded me. And then I was like, oh, right. That's what's happening in that comic. Yeah. So... The match occurs in this issue, and uh, I wouldn't say the outcome is super surprising. Um, There is a great two-page spread when they do pull off something surprising, uh, Sun and Steel. And also, I've said that every issue of this book has some moment that will just make you go, oh shit. Like, every single issue has had some twist or moment to make you like sit up in your seat and say this book is doing something and the first one in this issue is when god does a crucifix bomb 
Uh huh. God does a crucifix bomb. Yeah. Yeah. But then by the end of the issue, there's like a real emotional gut punch one that is perfect. This book nails the landing so beautifully, my man. You should read it. Absolutely. This is my favorite comic of the year. I'm sort of tipping my hand for the Gordy Awards, but holy shit, do a powerbomb. What a great comic. Read it at your earliest convenience. Yeah. The, the, it's a tough one to beat. It's hard to beat. It goes yeah. the distance. Uh, all right, Chris. With that, that's going to do it for our comic segment, which means it's time to talk about Captain America, starting with issue 408. What do you say? Let's do it. Captain America 408 says on the cover, The Final Fate of Cap Wolf. And it has Cap Wolf semi-transformed back into human form, fighting a mysterious Captain America with a sharp, super shredder-style shield. I mean, mysterious for, like, not for us. No. Not for you and such as you and I. No, but perhaps mysterious for someone looking at this cover who wouldn't know that this was all part of Infinity War. It does say in the upper right-hand corner that this is an Infinity War crossover. Yeah. Uh, you also wouldn't know that if you had like read the issue. Because it doesn't really come up. This it's, is This is a mandatory crossover comic. It's mentioned, but yeah. Yeah, but like... Captain America fights his doppelganger for a little bit, and then is like, oh, that was weird, but I'm like a werewolf right now, so I guess weird shit happens. You might be mistaken and think that this is U.S. agent. Because he's wearing like a dark costume, you know? Yeah. But he's got sharp teeth, which means he's a Infinity War doppelganger. Yeah, and he's got a little elf ears. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> These dudes have names besides Doppelganger. I don't think so. They get they all get blipped out of existence. So well, well, most of them. Yeah, yeah. All but one who goes on to feature in Maximum Carnage. We start things off in this issue, which is titled "Dark Dawn," uh, with Captain America telling Doctor Nightshade that she has to cure him and. Uh, also explaining how he defeated uh, Star Wolf last issue. And then Dr. Nightshade reverts the white werewolf we've been seeing for a while back to his human form. And wouldn't you know it, there he is, John Jameson. Yeah. Which, that's, that's, and that's kind of like, that's kind of a wrap on that. Like, we don't get any explanation from John Jameson for, like, why he was a creep around Diamondback. Because this is, like, 
Which means either, like, someone forgot, which I doubt, because I feel like Mark Grunewald never forgot anything. Yeah. Uh, but, like, you had an out and did not take it to be like, yeah, you know, like, my Omegaverse instincts were taken over there for a little bit, and I was really acting like an asshole. And, and for some reason, that's not how it happens. No, if anything, it's just like, John, you're out. Like, John is just shuffled off stage. Yeah, like, he quits. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I don't really want to be your pilot anymore, Cap. And fortunately, Zachary Moonhunter is like, I can fly. I can fly a plane. Yeah, we'll get to that uh, shortly. So, there's a quick conversation where Captain America's like, hey, John Jameson, so you were the wolf leader. I kicked your ass. And John's like, uh, yeah, you did. Uh, when, a thing I like about when Captain America gets de-werewolfed uh, is that there's one panel where he's like turned back into a human, but he has a beard, but then the beard goes away. <laughs> so if you have a beard, Matt, do you have a beard right now? Of course I do. I'm like the second thing on an Animorphs cover. The second <laughs> stage. Yeah. You're, you're partially werewolf right now. Yeah, yeah that's true. So as Cap is about to be cured, his Infinity War doppelganger smashes into the room. And Dr. Nightshade just jams the syringe with the cure into him. So he's transforming back into human form while trying to fight his doppelganger. Uh, The doppelganger throws his razor-sharp shield right at John Jameson, and it goes into the wall and goes, thunt! A lot of good sound effects on this page. We got thunt, we got thub, when Cap kicks his doppelganger, Mm -hmm. and then t'chuck when uh, his doppelganger falls into his razor-sharp shield on the neck. Yeah, um, like, he fully, like, dies. Yeah. Like, Cap kills him. And Cap's like, I was tired, sloppy, uncharacteristically brutal. I was still a werewolf for a little bit. Yeah, and everybody else is like, no, 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 you did what you had to do, and and you were a werewolf, so it's fine. I mean, you say that, but uh, what Zachary Moonhunter says is, Mondo Spookioso, nice duke out there, Capper. (laughs) Um, Note, Mark Grunewald is the only human being in history to refer to a fight as a nice duke out. Nice duke out. A fight that ends with someone getting impaled on a razor-sharp shield on their neck. Again, let me emphasize. A truly horrible phrase, nice duke out. Yeah. Uh, The doppelganger just disappears, by the way. He just fades away into the ether. And also, uh, Dr. Nightshade says something about how everybody's going to pay for this and Superior is going to see to it. So she still works for Superior. Yeah, and Cap goes, so she is still loyal to her old boss. Yes. Uh, There's a little bit of cleanup here in the town, which apparently has some uh, Marvel history beyond this. This is this town, uh, Starksboro, Massachusetts, uh, 
this is not its first appearance in Marvel Comics. It has been a town where spooky stuff happens uh, for a while. Mondo Spookyoso stuff? Yes, it's Mondo Spookyoso. Uh, there's a talk to the mayor about making sure everything gets cleaned up. Jack Russell rides away on a motorcycle. Uh, he says, my ride's here. And he rides away. Uh, Wolf's Bane is like, well, I'm going to get back to uh, to my folks. And then John Jameson quits. Yeah. Um. D- now, Matt, I have a question for you. Okay. Do you think Werewolf by Night's exit from this story was meant to have the massive amount of gay subtext that it has? You know... I don't know, but it sure does. He he says, my ride's here, peace cap. And a very muscly man with a mustache drives him away on a motorcycle. I don't know enough about Werewolf by Night at this point to know who that is. Yeah, I don't either. And uh, I will tell you this about uh, uh, John Russell. Uh, he does not bother to put a shirt on. No. Or change uh, out of his ripped up pants. He just hops on the back of that motorcycle and rides off with a dude who, here's what I think. I don't know who this dude is either, and maybe if you're a Werewolf by Night fan, you can correct me on this. I think that's uh, Lobo from Team America, whose name means wolf. Maybe. I I am looking on the Marvel Database website to see if he's listed as people that appear in this issue, and... There's no one it could be. So, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's that's my theory. I, I will say that Jack Russell uh, certainly comes off as the twink in the uh, in the relationship. Yeah, for sure, it is. It's one of those things where, like, you look at this page and you're like, "This was intentional on someone's part." <laughs> I'm I'm not trying to to like. I don't mean it in a pejorative sense, but honestly, it's there. It is certainly it's there. there. Yeah. Thank you. As soon as John Jameson quits, Moon Hunter shows up and is like, hey, I'm flying this busted up machine. And Cap immediately says, you want to be my pilot? And Moon Hunter goes, yeah, call me Zach. You don't. You were fighting this guy like two issues. Like I know there was mind control involved, but you don't like you. You don't want to like run a background check, <laughs> dog. This was before the days of easy background checks. Look, Apparently. the Avengers have hired so many people who were just criminals. Yeah, that's that's true. It's that it's, is true. It is standard practice for for the Avengers. They let the uh, Sandman in there at one point. They sure did. They sure did. Uh, then we see D-Man who's hanging out in Central Park, and he is attacked by his doppelganger and pushed into a river. Yeah, that is... He sure is pushed into a river mm-hmm. and does not come back to the surface. And... I feel like... Did you feel like you had missed a page when <laughs> D-Man shows back up later? Maybe. We'll get to it. We'll, okay. we'll see how how uh, jarring it is. But we it does talk. seem like D-Man's doppelganger coming out of the water is supposed to be a reference to, you had your chance, now it's my turn. It's mostly the mask. 
Yeah, it is. I like it when D-Man shows up and goes, Hey, D-Man, I'm your D-Mon. <laughs> he does do that. Uh, then in the backup, Night of the Knife by Mark Grunewald and Larry Alexander, uh, we see Diamondback finally reuniting with her brother, Cutthroat, uh, who has revealed that he is her brother. And there's a whole thing where he's like, I used to be a nobody. I used to be a lowlife, but now I finally made it. And I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to let anybody hurt you. I'm an honest to God, supervillain. Now I'm going to go fight, uh, crossbones in his room. And he is immediately murdered. It <laughs> gets fucked up instantly. <laughs> he goes and tries to like, kill crossbones in his bed which is just a mattress on the floor which tracks of course it is i, I want to put that on like uh with the, the gamer spaces <laughs> i want to put a picture of crossbones in his bedroom like wow men really live like this oh this also right before he goes and does this cutthroat does he like goes into mother knight's room and he's like you're with me now that red skull's not going to abuse you anymore cuz you're with me. And so like, you know, right as he's like getting his confidence up and turning his life around, he goes in and tries to kill Crossbones. Yeah, and he tells her, "By the way, I'm about to go kill Crossbones." Yeah, which is important. And as soon as he touches Crossbones, Crossbones jumps up, knocks the sword out of his hand, grabs it, and slices his throat. Yeah, hits him with the fucking roaring elbow, and then cuts his throat. Brutal. Yeah. Don't name yourself after a potential way to die. That's a lesson I feel like I've learned from this comic. Yes. Agreed. Uh, There's also a Falcon backup in this issue. Uh, by Mark Grunewald and Rick Levins, the regular penciler of the book. And essentially what happens here is Falcon's flying around. He sees Moonhunter flying around a sky cycle. And he's like, hey, who's that guy? So he decides to follow him and finds out that Moonhunter is the new pilot for the Avengers. Yeah, he notably doesn't go, he's probably a new hire for the Avengers. No. He's just like, who's this guy? (laughs) And it ends with Cap explaining everything to Falcon and also taking notice of his new costume. And, uh, which is fine. It's a, it's fine. It's his nineties costume. Yeah. I I like Falcon's other costumes more, but yeah, I don't like him having his head covered. Like that's the main difference is that he has like the little piece that goes over the top of your head. He's like wearing Hawkeye's mask. Yeah, I don't I, love that. I, I'm not super crazy about the boots either. But yeah. it's in the '90s, you had to change your costume, and so it had to either be that you got your hair out or put your hair away. Yes, Cyclops got his hair out. Cyclops Falcon, got his hair out. Yeah, Falcon put his hair away. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, it ends with Cap and Falcon deciding that they need to team up again, and uh, and that's that. That is that. Better believe it, wingtips. <laughs> Why uh, do... I I wish Mark Grimmel was still alive for many reasons. Uh, yes, for many, many but reasons. But in this moment, primarily, so that I could ask him, why did 
Why did you make people talk like that? <laughs> Why so many nicknames? Captain America number 409 has the cover blurb showdown with the skeleton crew. And I love that they were trying to get this skeleton crew logo over. Uh, it's great, though. It's in, like, pirate font. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Everybody had a logo in the 90s. It's true. What's happening on this cover is that Captain America is hanging off the side of a helicopter. Another thing everybody did in the 90s, uh, while Crossbones holds Diamondback and is pointing a crossbow at uh, Captain America. Yeah. First page, splash page, story uh, title, Blood and Diamonds, has Captain America seeing a vision of Diamondback in great distress. We pull out to see that Dr. Druid has set up some kind of, like, viewing pan, (laughs) some kind of equipment in the Avengers kitchen. He's got a little scrying walk. Yeah, he's got it on a burner in the Avengers kitchen on the stove, and he's burning stuff so that Captain America and Falcon can see a vision of what's going on with Diamondback. Yeah, and I'll tell you who does not like this shit. That is Edwin Jarvis. No, he's like, hey, don't fuck up my kitchen. (laughs) Don't fuck up my kitchen. Nothing is ever burned in this kitchen. You like no one likes Doctor Druid because Doctor Druid sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the big Jarvis lesson you can learn from this comic. We've also discovered that Jarvis sucks as a butler, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, so Doctor Druid informs Captain America and Falcon that Diamondback is somewhere with mountains and desert, but he can give no other information. And he sees someone with a skull mask, so it's got to be crossbones. Because honestly, if if Captain America's having trouble and you go, "Ooh, it's probably some guy whose face looks like a skull," like you're probably going to be right. That's true. That is true. But he specifically says a skull mask, and Captain America's like, "Well, it's not the Red Skull because he doesn't wear a mask. That's just his face. So it's got to be crossbones." So they're just going to go search the entire Rocky Mountains yeah, to try to they, find Diamondback. I believe Dr. Druid says, well, he's in America, so they're going to start at the Canadian border, which is yes. very funny. So they go get Moon Hunter, Zach, and they're like, come with us. We're going to go search the entire Rocky Mountains. <laughs> and Moon Hunter's like, great, let's do it. Is this when he goes, hot zot? He does, in fact, say hot zot. I'm trying to get something over. He's trying to buy a ticket to a movie. He's trying to, he's to like, get uh, the Donna Maria to go to a movie with him. Oh, that's right, yeah. And he's the like, Avengers this movie's, that's, yes, that's what it is. He says, the movie's going to have to wait, Donna Maria. Duty calls. Yeah, And so they go flying off. Uh, Meanwhile, Diamondback is in a padded cell in the Red Skull's headquarters, screaming herself silly and smashing herself against the wall, trying to get anybody to hear her. Uh, Thub is the sound effect of her smashing herself against the wall. Um, But it's having no effect. Uh, Meanwhile, 
Red Skull has found out that Cutthroat is dead now. <laughs> and so he's coming into the room, looking at the body, and saying, so why did he have reason to kill you, Crossbones? And Crossbones like, I don't know. I guess he thought I was going to horn in on his turf. And Red Skull's like, all right, does anyone else have anything to say about this? Well, I don't want to hear any more about it. We're going to meet in the briefing room. So that is the end of the investigation of the death of Cutthroat. Yeah, Blackwing and Jack Leonard are there, and Blackwing just goes, he was dead when we got here. <laughs> uh, cut back to Captain America and Moonhunter and Falcon in this uh, in the Captain America plane. And Captain America is calling the FAA, Editor's Note, Federal Aeronautics Administration, uh, to try to find out in, any information about Diamondback. Diamondback is trying to uh, get out of her restraints. She ends up snapping the heels off of her boots so she can put her get her hands up over her head and uh, back in front of her. Then we see D-Man and his doppelganger fighting in the water for a second. Is this the thing you missed, Chris? I felt like I missed a page in the middle of the page because he's underwater and he sinks to the bottom and then he wakes up in a cave. And that's not... That's true. ...how water works. I guess he could have gotten, like, caught up in the the flow of the water and then gone into a cave. But yeah, it's it's weird. Anyway, he wakes up in a cave. Uh, Mother Knight goes and sees Machine Smith. And Machine Smith's like, everybody forgot about me. Because you haven't seen me in, like, 20 issues. <laughs> Mother Knight lets uh, Machine Smith know that Cutthroat and Diamondback are brother and sister. And she's like, uh, Cutthroat is dead. <laughs> so uh, could you help me like, figure out some kind of way to memorialize him? And Machine Smith's like, Red Skull's not going to be happy about that. I-, I love that Machine Smith does not care. <laughs> she's like, yeah, and you know, he was Diamondback's brother, and and I I I told Crossbones because I didn't want him to kill Crossbones, but now he's dead, and I don't know what to, to do. And Machine Smith is like, "Yeah, I, uh, cool word, yeah, nice." Uh, Rascal's not gonna be happy about that. Yeah. If 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 you help pay respects to Cutthroat, you'll be coming out of here in a pine box. Well, that sucks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so then Mother Knight shows up late to the meeting, uh, the briefing, and Red Skull makes a weird threat about having a clock face tattooed on her tongue. Yeah. And she says in very small font, sorry. Yeah. Red Skull asks if the body of Cutthroat has been done away with, and he says, does anybody have a problem with what Crossbones did? Jack-o'-lantern and uh, Blackwing are both like, nope, nope. And he says, uh, good. Now what are we going to do with uh, with Diamondback? Mother Knight goes and tries to find Diamondback because pretty much Red Skull is just going to like have her killed. Yeah. 
But when she walks into the cell, Diamondback is doing the splits between the walls. She's above the door doing the doing the Jean-Claude Van Damme splits. But like this room is this room is clearly the, the physics don't work. The room is not that narrow. The room is clearly bigger than that, but yeah. I'll let it go. Uh, she attacks Mother Knight and takes her costume as a disguise and just walks out of the cell. Yeah, and so we can tell that it's a disguise. She's got like a little bit of hair peeking out. Now that Mother Knight is missing, uh, the rest of the skeleton crew are like, where's Mother Knight? Let's go try to find her. So Blackwing goes and tries to do that. He finds Diamondback in the Mother Knight costume and she immediately just like flips out because <laughs> she doesn't have an answer to his question about where diamondback is mm-hmm. so she clotheslines him off his glider then palms his face into like where his head is smashed into the wall then uh kicks him in the mouth yeah she beats the shit she hits the fucking rainmaker <laughs> on him yeah which is what I wrote down. I literally wrote it down in my notes. Holy shit, Diamondback hit the Rainmaker. Because <laughs> she fucking clobbers him. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, She steals his glider and just goes flying off right in front of Crossbones and Jack-O-Lantern. So Jack-O-Lantern starts chasing. She starts looking through Mother Knight's bag, which is just a regular purse, which I think is very funny. <laughs> Yes. And she finds this communicator card and she's trying to figure out how it's going to work. That's when I think Captain America on the plane, like they pick up the signal from the card. So they start flying toward it. Yeah. They get a distress signal while they are currently heading South from the Canadian border. Yes. Jack-o'-lantern keeps chasing crossbones manages to snag Diamondback with like a crossbow bolt with a rope attached to it. Uh, and he uh, snags Diamondback and uh, takes her back to a like cliffside uh, outpost where a doctor is going to look after um, Diamondback. Because I said earlier that the plan was for Red Skull to kill Diamondback. That's not actually the plan. The plan is to transfuse her blood with Captain America's blood, the Captain America blood she stole, mm-hmm. to test the super soldier serum on someone, and she's going to be the test subject. Which doesn't seem like a great idea. Nope. You don't even know if that's her blood type. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, best, like if it works... You have just given superpower blood to someone who does not like you. Good point. D-Man is wandering around in that cave some more. And then Captain America and Falcon show up. uh, And they're here to fight Crossbones and Jack-O-Lantern. No backup, this issue. Well, all of our stories are finally converging. Yes. Uh, Only some letters about Man and Wolf and how much every reader loved it. Next up, Captain America 410 uh, has Diamondback strangling crossbones 
with like a garrote as Captain America jumps in trying to intervene somehow. Uh, the blurb is diamonds are for vengeance. Love it. And in the upper right corner of this one is beyond video, the new dragon quest game announcements inside. Yeah. Not to be confused with dragon quest, the video game. This would no, be this was- uh, dragon quest, the VHS game. Yes. This is why Dragon Quest in the U.S. was originally called Dragon Warrior. Yes. Yes. Which I got for free from Nintendo Power. Did you? Wait, you got Dragon Warrior 1 free from Nintendo Power? I absolutely did. Oh, yeah. I remember they, they gave them away to try and get people into, into uh, RPGs. Well, there was also like a surplus of Dragon Warrior cartridges in the U.S. because it wasn't selling. Yeah. <laughs> so they gave them away. Yeah. I actually have I, I have Dragon uh, Dragon Warrior Dragon Quest One on a uh, Switch. I have the the remastered version. Yeah, I, I haven't played I, it yet though. I played it when I was like seven and did not totally get it at the time. I don't think we get a uh, a title, a story title on the splash page here, unless the story title is Batang. Yeah. Uh, Captain America just smashes crossbones in the face with his shield. Yeah. That's the first thing we see. Done fucking around. Done fucking around. Oh, okay. Diamonds of Vengeance is the story title. It's on the the two-page spread that comes next. Ah, okay. That two-page spread is uh, just a big fight between Cap, Falcon, Crossbones, and Jack-O-Lantern. And uh, the fight continues for a few pages. Meanwhile, inside the room, uh, the doctor that they've hired is trying to do the blood transfusion, but he's also calling for reinforcements, which brings uh, Mother Knight and Blackwing to the scene. Uh, So they're on their way. There is one moment in this fight between Falcon and Jack-O-Lantern that I have to note. Because Jack-O-Lantern shoots out some uh, ghost grabbers uh-huh. at Falcon. And Falcon says, some kind of thick, transparent, sticky film all over my face. Yep. <laughs> Another subtext moment. Uh, then D-Man goes to an underground city. This is like... The third city underneath Manhattan that we know about. Because <laughs> it's, it's, in, it's in these big caves. These gigantic, like, 60-foot high ceiling caves. I'm pretty sure this is, like, where the Mole Man used to live. Because, like, there's a weird throne in here. I mean, this is the this is not even the first set of cavernous, huge underground caves under New York City in this run of Captain America. That's also true. Yeah, there are a bunch of unhoused people living where the mole man used to live. Now these are these are the night people. The night people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the people on the edge of the night. They're uh, they're trying to demand that D Man speak, but he can't. So, uh, anyway, uh, Captain America continues to fight Crossbones. 
Uh, Crossbone says, my, aren't we in a scrappy mood, eh, Cappy? And uh, that's when Crossbones takes his shield away and is about to smash Captain America with his own shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also when Falcon releases his wings to attack Jack-O-Lantern with them, <laughs> but then he's falling. <laughs> so I don't know that that's the best tactic, although the wings do save him. Normally I like to to write down, you know, I write down the dialogue that, that catches my eye, like hot zot and, and hold still dime a dozen, mm-hmm. which shockingly not the worst nickname for diamondback that we have encountered. True. But rarely is it actually captain America whose dialogue I write down, but cap had a good one this time around, uh, which is the only note that I wrote for this issue I swear I'll make you the sorriest man to ever wear a skeleton suit. (laughs) That's great. Mother Knight releases the sleeper once they see uh, Captain America's plane being piloted by Moonhunter. And so sleeper attaches to the wing of Captain America's plane. Uh, Captain America finally kind of gets the better of crossbones. And then we cut back to Diamondback and this doctor who's giving her this blood transfusion. And uh, she proceeds to just fuck this guy up. Like, she wakes up, the sedative isn't working, she rips out of her bonds, grabs him by the throat, and says, What have you done to me? Yeah, this, I was stoked about this, honestly. Yeah. Um, he starts to pull out a gun. She grabs a scalpel and throws it right into his hand. <laughs> yeah. And uh, goes running outside to see Crossbones and Captain America fighting. Uh, then she sees Mother Knight, and she starts, uh, she quickly gets rid of Mother Knight. She throws like a piece of medical equipment at Blackwing. Then she starts garroting. The, the IV stand. She throws a, the yeah. IV stand at his fucking head, which is dope. Yeah. She's like garroting crossbones to the point where Captain America is like trying to hold on because he's just like caught in between them, kind of, or caught on the other side of them. And he ends up just like falling off of a cliff because Blackwing knocks him off. And it just so happens that Falcon gets there right in time. Uh, to save him. Then we see Diamondback and Crossbones start to maybe fight for a second. Then fucking Moonhunter does something so much cooler than anything John Jameson has ever done. Unbelievable, right? He makes the case for himself right here. Because he sees that sleeper is on his wing he starts doing a barrel roll he throws the sleeper robot into red skull's helicopter's rotor making them both crash into the facility where the doctor was giving uh uh diamondback the blood transfusion and it explodes it rules. He takes them all out. Yes. 
Uh, it's so cool. Yeah, no, this this is a good issue. Like the the fight between Diamondback and Crossbones is actually like really good too. Like her dialogue's really good. She goes, "I am sick and tired of sharing space on this planet with you. I will see you dead." And then she fucking puts him in the the Katahajime. She gets the Taz mission locked on him. Yeah, yeah, it was great. After the facility gets exploded because a helicopter crashes into it, a flaming piece of shrapnel flies into Crossbones' back. Diamondback's like, that sucks. Sucks for you. Yeah, wow. Sucks to suck, I guess. Captain America sees this and he's like, "Uh, oh, Crossbones' back is on fire. I'm going to put it out. Diamond, go get Mother Knight. And Diamondback's reaction to that is, what? Oh, okay. Because she wanted crossbones to die so bad yeah everything ends with crossbones actually being taken away on a gurney they're gonna like get him medical care captain america is uh but then they're gonna take everybody to the vault editors note the federal penitentiary for superhuman felons diamondback finally tells captain america hey um don't be mad at me, but I wanted Crossbones to die. I really would have loved to see him die. <laughs> yeah, he sucks, and uh, it sucks that he's going to live. And Cap's like, uh, alright. Captain America thinks there is no time for a lecture on morality. And so he just tells her, I'm glad you're safe. Yeah. Gonna kick her out of the Avengers. Yeah, you just wait and see. Captain America number 411... From January 1993, has the blurb on the cover. It's all out action as Captain in- Cap enters the arena of death. Yeah, that's how you know this shit's going to be dope. It has Captain America on the cover, but he's half Captain America, half crossbones. What could that mean? His crossbone sense is tingling. <laughs> <laughs> and, ooh, this first splash page has Falcon and Diamondback training. The story title is The Arena, and praise be. Yeah, boy! You can't see it, but I'm I'm dancing. I'm like Millie rocking right now. (laughs) Diamondback's got her cool haircut back. Yeah, it's pink. She's got got her hot pink undercut back. She's in a cool costume. She's doing cool stuff. Diamondback, baby. Diamondback. There's a training sequence with her and Falcon where she explains uh, why she cut her hair like this. Like she is kind of back to her old self. She's got her old attitude back. She doesn't want to be the Avengers receptionist anymore. That's not her deal. It's not her gig. And yeah, she's, she's kind of back to the old diamond bag. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I was only going to take that receptionist job because I was uh, scared. But um, then I did fucking UFC choke out crossbones. Uh, so I'm feeling pretty good about my life as a costumed adventurer again. After crossbones taught her how to fight again as well. Yeah. There was a thing, I think it was in 409 when she was in the cell, where she was like, crossbones also taught me how to love again. And boy, am yeah. I glad this did not follow that up in any way. There's, there's like that line, and then there's like a, a one line where 
she refers to Crossbones as her boyfriend, and I got real fucking nervous. Yeah, but those do not seems like we seems like we hit the emergency break on that uh, story thread. I mean, I feel like maybe that's supposed to be part of her having been brainwashed. Yeah, no, I think it's supposed to be her like trauma response, but. Honestly, I don't trust, not just Mark Grunewald, I don't trust, like, early 90s Marvel comics. No, it it does not speak well of what happened between Diamondback and Crossbones in the scenes we didn't see. Yeah. Don't want to think about it. Bing on. Glad, Glad we are moving on. Yeah. Once the training ends, Captain America comes in. And he says, hey, we got your blood test results back. Everything's fine. Clean bill of health. The super soldier blood the Red Skulls people tried on you is stable. <laughs> there was no crystal meth in it. <laughs> that's that's the storyline we've kept up with. That's the bit of continuity we want to remember. Yep. Diamondback is like, okay, well, cool. Um, I got to go deal with some stuff, and you can't help me. So bye. Captain America tries to follow her, and she, like, goes, ha! Oh, sorry, reflex. She, like, turns back and chops. And Cap's like, look, whatever you want to do, let me help you. So finally, Diamondback explains that she wants to go get revenge on Snapdragon, the woman who threw her off the side of a cruise ship. Yeah, bud. So he calls Nick Fury, Captain America calls Nick Fury, and he's like, hey, do you know anything about Snapdragon? And they do find a file on her, uh, but it's it's pretty slim. There's not a lot of uh, information. Uh, but Nick Fury does give them like a couple of leads uh, to the big AIM annual sales event. <laughs> AIMCON. AIMCON. He tells him about AIMCON, which, how is this not in comics every year? That's a good question. Because the idea is, every year, AIM, AIM holds a big event on a private island where people come and bid on the newest AIM weaponry. Yeah, it's, it's a trade show. Yeah. Uh, for supervillains and, and evil super scientists. And they have their own island, so S.H.I.E.L.D. can't do anything about it legally. Which is weird, because this is a universe that is primarily populated by outlaw vigilantes, but okay. But yeah, it's AIMCON. They're gonna go to AIMCON. This is so Cobra. Very Cobra, yes. down to having their own island. It's so Cobra. I love it. It's gonna get more Cobra as we go. Oh, for sure. Uh, Meanwhile... In a huge cave under Manhattan, where I guess the Mole Man used to live, uh, they keep trying to get D-Man to talk, the night people do, and it's not working, so they attack him, and then he fights them off. Yeah. Then we cut back to Captain America, Diamondback, and Falcon flying to AIMCON in their Crossbones, Mother Knight, and Jack-O-Lantern costumes. Yes, because they went to go see Cersei, and I guess Cersei told them, why don't you put on some other people's clothes? And Diamondback is understandably like, hey, 
I don't know if I love that you're dressed up as crossbones right now. And Cap's like, look, I get it. Unfortunately, these are the only three people that we know for sure won't be there, which is great. Yes. It's more than just a costume. It's Cersei like enchanted them to look like Crossbones, Mother Knight, and Jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. But also, it seems like Captain America is having like a little bit of fun being Crossbones. As the story progresses, definitely. Because when they get there to the island, there's this whole sequence of like, what's your security authorization? And he's like, I don't have it. I lost it. And they're like, well, you should surrender your weapons at least. And he's like, that's a stupid rule. (laughs) I want to. Your bio readings readings aren't the same. And he he goes, think, man, think. And he goes, well, obviously Red Skull wouldn't want us to have a digital footprint, so we changed them. If that's if you don't want our money, we'll just leave. And the guy's like, no, 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 it's okay. So they get in anyway. It's a bold move. They walk into the lobby, which is full of supervillains. Well, they, first they get on like a little tram, which is very funny. And then they walk in a lobby full of supervillains, and everyone is trying to like be the toughest person in the room. Who's this tiger guy? Uh, you're talking about, uh, the Trump? No, no, no. The, it's, it's flying tiger. Flying tiger is like, Hey, jack-o'-lantern, are you Jason McIndale? And, uh, jack-o'-lantern who is Falcon is like, no, that's not me. And so they're like jaw jacking. Yeah. The Trump is there. And uh, when Captain America, as Crossbones, cuts in line, they're like, hey, wait, uh, no, it's fine. Finally, Batrock shows up, and he's like, hey, Crossbones, you remember our little bet? Our bet that you have to face five opponents in a row, and if you beat them all, you get $500,000? And so Captain America's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll fight him. Sure. I'll meet you at eight to go over the rules. It's fantastic. I love this. It's great. Yeah. So then they set up a ring because they just have one, of course, at AIMCON where Captain America, as Crossbones, is going to have to fight five guys in a row. The first of whom is Mad Dog. And so Captain America is fighting these guys while also trying to keep up appearances that he's Crossbones. Uh Uh-huh. So he's trying to come up with things that Crossbones would say. So he tells Mad Dog, you need to see a dentist, fella. Your oral hygiene bites. (laughs) Time to take you to the pound. Um, You remember like a couple issues ago when Diamondback hit the Rainmaker? I do, I do, I do. And I was like, man, that's probably the coolest pro wrestling move that's going to happen in this comic. Not so. I didn't know Captain America was going to hit the fucking V-trigger. He sure does. He sure does. It's great. Uh, So he beats Mad Dog in pretty short order. And uh, right around that time that that 
match ends. Iron Maiden leaves. She leaves the event. And so, thinking that Iron Maiden might lead her to Snapdragon, uh, Diamondback chooses to follow her. Then starts the next match against Ramrod. Cap tries to kick him in the head, but his head is made of solid metal, so it doesn't work. On the way to following Iron Maiden, Diamondback, as Mother Knight, runs into Bad Girls Inc., who are here, Asp, Mamba, and Impala. And she starts to be like, hey. (laughs) And they're like, why are you talking to us? And so Diamondback has to be like, "Uh, I, I didn't mean to. Because she forgot that she was in disguise. Yeah. Finally, she ends up running into Snapdragon and Superior, who she's hanging out with. Captain America uh, beats uh, Ramrod by poking his eyes out. (laughs) It's so wrestling. It's so professional (laughs) wrestling. He gouges his eyes. He hits him with a fucking headlock driver. It's great. Uh, and then he is confronted by his his next opponent, who we'll get to uh, next issue. And uh, again, no backup in this one. Just letters about that letter about that parent who is concerned. Yeah. All the letters in this issue are about that letter. So mostly disagreement, but uh, one agree. Yeah. But they should have been like, yeah, did, you should... You get your kid that one more Diamondback hits the Rainmaker. <laughs> Diamondback gets uh, seven stars in the dome. Captain America number 412 has Captain America fighting a bunch of villains on it, along with Falcon and Shang-Chi, uh, who will appear in this issue, because there's a blurb in the top right that says that he's in it. And the battle on or the blurb on the cover is Battle Royal. Uh, but the actual title of the story is Disguise the Limit. Get it? That's pretty good. That's solid. We start the issue with Cap as Crossbones being attacked by his next opponent, his third opponent, General Wo, uh, who is a big sumo wrestler guy. Yeah, this is um isn't this isn't the best. A lot of uh not necessarily anti-Asian sentiment, but certainly a lot of fat jokes. This, I mean, this is clearly a character from from a bygone era. Yeah, yeah. Which, not my favorite thing that's ever happened. Yeah. I mean, at least General Woe is tough. Like, Cap thinks he has him beat in a chokehold, and then General Woe flipped him over and uh, sits on him, you know, like all the big guy wrestlers do. Yeah, yeah. Captain America says probably the rudest thing he's ever said after he gets sat on, which is, hope you ain't had beans lately, chubbo. Weird for Captain America to be like, don't fart on my face. Yeah, and right. to fat shame. Pretty weird. But he's, you know, he's trying to be Crossbones. I guess. Crossbones does talk about farts all the time. Yeah. I probably would talk about farts all the time. He probably would. Uh, we cut back to Diamondback, who is with uh, Superior and Blackbird and Iron Maiden 
and Snapdragon. And she's like, I can't kill Snapdragon right now because she's with all these other people. Uh, so I'll just be like, hey, I'm interested in what you ladies are doing. So Superior gives her her card. Because, yeah, she's an MCON. Yeah. You give you give your card out. You, you network. Diamondback continues to follow them to wherever they're going. Captain America, as Crossbones, does an amazing feat of strength and picks up General Woe in a deadlift. In front like, of 93,000 people. Yeah, he raises him over his head and slams him to the mat in front of 100,000 people at the Pontiac Silverdome. And he just like throws him into the ropes and he gets caught up into the ropes and that's the end of the match. <laughs> like it just ends there. <laughs> because then he is attacked by his fourth opponent, Razor Fist. This is when Falcon in the jack-o'-lantern costume is like, ah, I can leave now. <laughs> and uh, he's going to go check on Diamondback. I mean, to be fair, it, he is it is fucking razor fist. I mean, like, you know, you ever seen him win a fight? He's got big swords for hands. Yeah. Cap's like, Hey, I thought we said no weapons. And Badrock's like, those are just his hands. <laughs> yeah. It's not cheating. Those are his hands. Uh, meanwhile, Shang-Chi, the master of Kung Fu emerges from a crate that has just arrived on aim Island. And he gets his own narration for this part. In Captain America's book, Shang-Chi gets his own narration. Yeah, man. Uh, he knocks out an AIM agent. And uh, Captain America does pre- make pretty quick work of Razor Fist. He just steps on his sword hands and breaks them. <laughs> it's over pretty quick. Those are his hands, man. Yeah, he broke his hands. Patrick just told you that's his hands. You can't just What's- break somebody's hands off. Once uh, Razor Fist is dealt with quickly, the fifth opponent of uh, Crossbones. You think this was the inspiration for the labors of Jericho? Probably. Yeah, I think so. Because Captain America does not get to come out to his theme song. <laughs> uh, Batrock immediately attacks Captain America because he's the last combatant. And Batrock's like, hey, so you're going to let me win because I know you're not Crossbones. I've watched you fight for years and years and years, and I know that you're Captain America. You're in some kind of disguise. You're not Crossbones. You're Captain America. And unless you let me win, I'm going to tell everybody here who you are. Pretty good. Unless unless you do the J-O-B yeah. at AIM Island. Like, that's some good Batrock shit. Yeah, that is good Batrock shit. Because it's exactly what Batrock would want. He'd be like, yeah, I want to win this fight and get my fucking $50,000. Or I don't want to have to pay all that money. And also, like, knowing Captain America because he's seen him fight hundreds of times. Yes. And exactly. also being like, being like, yeah, man, whatever you're doing here, whatever. Like, I'm sure you're here for a good reason. It 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 don't confront me none. It don't just confront Georges. Just let me win. 
Meanwhile, uh, Diamondback has followed Superior, Snapdragon, and the rest to an office building because Superior is here for a meeting with the CEO of AIM, Mr. Branix. We yeah. saw him way earlier in this run. He's like the businessman who's trying to legitimize AIM. Did we? I do not remember this character. Back when the Serpent Society was getting going, and they wanted to get contracts to work with AIM, they went and visited this guy. Okay. Who gave them like a whole presentation about how AIM was trying to go legitimate. Okay. That's where we first saw this guy. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. I believe you. Yeah. Superior is going to go up to the penthouse to meet with Mr. Branix, leaving the rest uh, behind down downstairs. Captain America will not allow himself to be blackmailed. And he's like, Batroc, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> Which is hilarious. <laughs> and so Batroc does... Like, You're going to like blow your cover and everything? And Cap's like, yeah. Yeah. Bud, you've we've been through this before. You know what you know what the fuck is up. So Batrock's like, okay, hey everybody, this is Captain America. Like he does exactly what he said he was going to do. He tells everybody it's Captain America. Yep. By the way, I know when Rick Levin started on this run on the like his run on Captain America a while ago. During the cruise ship stuff. Uh-huh. So, like, superior stratagem. I was like, I don't know about Rick Levins. The art has taken a downturn. He's gotten a lot better by this point. No, yeah. Like, it. Uh, I felt the exact same way. Like, the action stuff. Like I said, Diamondback hitting the Rainmaker looks great. Cap hitting the V-Trigger looks great. Like, he's drawn this big weird wrestling fight in a crowd full of supervillains and it looks great yeah the, uh the the close-up panel of batrock saying this is captain america fifty thousand dollars to zip man who takes him down it's good like that's a really good panel of just a character talking yeah rick levens yeah good stuff yeah i mean look do i wish that kieran dwyer drew every panel of this run for 10 years? Yes. But Rick Levin's pretty solid. Yeah. So Superior goes to her meeting with the CEO of AIM and uh, immediately attempts to kill him. Uh-huh. As one does. Blasts him through the chest with a big beam that she shoots at him. And she says, I'll tell you the problem with AIM. The problem is you. The problem was you. He seems, by all accounts, to be dead, which brings out Modam, who's like, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. Back in the ring, Captain America, knowing that his cover is blown, transforms back into Captain America. And he's like, all right, let's go. Yeah, which is another like great panel, because it's Cap like in the wrestling ring, like big captain america picture uh getting ready to like take on the world and like flying tiger and the beetle and machete 
Zaren, the weapons master. McDonald Gargan, the scorpion. Uh, what's he doing there? He doesn't have any money. Come on, man. He's keeping up appearances. Yeah, I guess. Looking for work. Say the same thing you and me do at cons. Looking for work. Yeah. Uh, Falcon, meanwhile, ditches his disguise because he's like, I need to be able to fly around. Uh, around this time, Iron Maiden gets a distress call from Superior. She, she and I forget who the other person is, but they go flying off, leaving just a Snapdragon outside, mm-hmm. which gives Diamondback the opportunity to to roll up, ditch her disguise, and be like, "Hey, guess what, uh, Snapdragon? I'm gonna fuck you up now." Yeah. Then Shang Chi and Falcon get in a fight because, of course, <laughs> uh, which, by the way, to be to be clear, also fucking rules uh, about Diamondback being like, "Hey, fucking the chickens, they just got home. They're gonna roost." Uh, and then we end on a splash page of Captain America being attacked by like a hundred supervillains, and it's pretty great. Yeah. Next and issue, the, things get worse. Yeah, that's I love it. I love it. And then. We're on to our last issue of these six, Captain America number 413. The cover blurb on this one is, Modem means murder. It doesn't. Yeah. It means it means uh, mental organism designed for aggressive maneuvers. And uh, on it, Modem is holding Superior in one of her arms, and Captain America is hanging off the other one, and uh, they're flying around. Uh, over the water. Another great splash page. Captain America is standing in the ring and all these villains are coming after him. And in the foreground, we have Rhino saying, get him, stomp his sparse star spangled butt. Uh, fantastic. Uh, the title of this issue is hostile takeover. And we get a big two page spread of Captain America, just fighting all these supervillains. Like we don't even see shocker's face. We just see his legs. As Captain yeah. America hits him with his shield. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, this double-page spread, like, the, the splash page and the double-page spread rule. Yeah. Really like, good. they look great. This is a great-looking Captain America just fucking dudes up. Uh, he continues to fuck dudes up on the next page, including Stiltman. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very OMAC. It's, it's very, like, it doesn't look like Jack Kirby, but, like, it is very kirby pacing you know like very kirby action without looking like someone's doing a kirby riff it's got that sense of motion yeah for i I think that's where rick levins has really leveled up is that like his art is not as static as it was when he started yeah definitely it's got more of that motion sensibility to it so then we cut back to diamondback and snapdragon and Snapdragon's like, look, I don't have time to mess with you, Layton. And Diamondback's like, uh, you're going to make time for me. And then she kicks her in the knee. And Fucking dope. Like, just snaps her knee. And there's this sound effect, crunk. <laughs> that is so good. It's great. And she's like, hey, get up. I'm not done with you. When I tell you to get up, you get up. Yeah, which I think is something Crossbones said to her. 
I think that's right, yeah. I think that's right. Uh, so they continue fighting. Uh, meanwhile, it's it's Blackbird who's flying around with the Iron Maiden. Uh, they fly up to the uh, the penthouse to see what's going on with Superior, and uh, they look in to see uh, Superior talking with Modam, and Modam is saying, "You killed the CEO. I have to punish you." Uh, while the CEO is dead on the floor. And uh, then they fight for a while. Then we cut back to Falcon and Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi notices that Falcon is an Avenger. And he's like, oh, this guy's an Avenger. And they realize that they should be on the same side. Captain America gets attacked by even more bad guys, including Man-Bull. Man-Bull and Rhino uh, bonk heads, because Captain America jumps out of the way in between them, and it's great. And there's this great panel of Batrock and his dudes just sitting in the crowd watching all this. <laughs> Fucking poor Wrecker. Titania has grabbed a... I guess it's the ring post. And just cracks it over the Wrecker's head. Trying to get Captain America. And it's like, yeah. Wrecker doesn't have superpowers. Damn. Poor, poor the Wrecker. <laughs> Diamondback knocks Snapdragon into a fountain, a conveniently placed fountain. And she says, remember throwing me into the water, Shiok? It felt a little like this. And then she, like, palm strikes her in the face and knocks her out with that palm strike. Yeah, man. Hits her with the, the Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, and she takes off her mask and wig to reveal her actual face. Uh, meanwhile, Modam has Superior incapacitated. And wouldn't you know it, the CEO of AIM? Uh, yeah, he's not dead. <laughs> yeah. He says, were you unaware that one of AIM's earliest triumphs has been life-mimicking ad- adaptoid biotechnology? And Superior goes, you're an adaptoid? And he goes, isn't everyone? enough about me now if you tell me everything about your scheme to wrest my business enterprise away talk about some cobra shit great fantastic i love it having ended his dispute uh with shang chi falcon shows back up in the arena and sees that chaos has broken out and right around about this time, Captain America is just trying to sneak out with, like, a poncho on. <laughs> He's got, like, a hood over his head. Just trying to get out of there. Like, he knew when it was time to call it quits and just try to leave. It's great. It's really good. Uh, Falcon picks Captain America up and flies out with him. Uh, they manage to get out of there. They go meet Shang-Chi and try to uh, figure out a way to like escape completely. Uh, Shang-Chi beats up some villains, too. And uh, then Diamondback starts drowning Snapdragon. She's just holding her head under the water. Just fully brutal. And it's it, it's she's like, yeah. Uh, you left me to drown. I felt my breath explode from my chest. I felt my lungs fill with water. I felt my heart stop. But I came back. Question is, my old chum, can you? That's fucking 
That is hype. It's a little weird that she says, my old chum. But besides that... Yeah, but you know, Margaret Wald. My favorite detail of the art is that it's it's like the same three panels of Diamondback holding Snapdragon's head under the water. But there are less and less bubbles coming out of Snapdragon's mouth every panel. That's good. It's good stuff. It's really yeah. good, actually. Like, post-Catwolf, this book really gets kind of a second wind. Yeah, it really does. There's a little more with the CEO and Superior and Modam. And the, the CEO's like, well, uh, that's a boring plan to take over AIM. <laughs> Modam, get her out of here. So Modam gets flying off with Superior. And uh, Cap notices that, so he starts giving chase. He steals an aim. It's not a sky cycle, it's like a flying platform thing. Uh, he steals one of the soldiers' things and starts chasing after Modam. He jumps off onto Modam's head and smashes Modam's gem with his shield. Uh, and flips over, tries to save Superior. That's where we leave it. And he's also thinking to himself, where are you, Diamond? Did you find the woman you're looking for? Please take care of yourself, lady. Please. And we see Diamondback emerging from the fountain with Snapdragon in the water, lifeless. Yeah. It's fucking dope. Diamondback got her mojo back. It's a great moment for Diamondback. It's, it's really good. Like after yeah. so long of Diamondback being like, like, I guess I'll get normal hair and go get a job. But now she's like, yeah, I'm a fuck everybody up. This is why I love Diamondback. She's great. Yeah. Well, that's it for this set of Groonies. We will come back to these in 2023 starting with Captain America number 414. And then we're going to basically be in the home stretch of the run. Yeah. Like I said, uh, the second wind, maybe third wind at this point. If you would like to get in touch with us, uh, you can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. That is also where you can send every story ever lists or uh, let us know if you want to sponsor the show or get in touch with us for any other reason. Uh, that email address is a good way to do it. You can also hit us up on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, you can tweet at us at warrocketpod, or you could contact us on Discord. You have to be invited to be a member of our Discord, so ask us for an invitation, and we'll get you one. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. And warrocketwiki.com is a fan-run repository of all the information about the show you could ever need. It's right there. You can go contribute if you'd like. Uh, so check into that if you would like to do that. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net. It has links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find all of my stuff by going to the-isb.com. That is my website. 
and it has links to the things that I do that you can listen to and read. Folks, thanks for listening. I just checked. The run ends with Captain America number 443. Uh, We just finished with number 413. So there are 30 issues left of the run. Wow. We are we are very close. Yeah. Our Christmas episode is quickly approaching, Chris. It is. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. Uh, but we'll be back. We'll have some more stuff before Christmas, right? We've got some... I think we've got one more episode. One more regular episode, and then it's a Christmas episode. Yeah. So be here uh, next week as we bring you more comforts, more joys, more of talking about comics, more of the good stuff that y'all like. Next week has to be our Christmas episode. (laughs) Oh, is it next week's? Okay, then. (laughs) Yep. Uh, The next Monday is the 19th, so next week has to be our Christmas episode. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so, So it is. Boy, it's... I gotta mail you your presents. We will be back next week. Hey, it's Christmas time, everybody. We'll be back for Christmas. Be here with us once again. Uh, Happy holidays. Uh, We will talk to you next time. This has been Warwick at Ajax number 616. Do not forget that Black Lives Matter. And trans rights are human rights. And abortion rights are too. And the cops aren't your friends. And that we love you. We love you. Yeah!